Hi everyone, Benjamin Smith here, pastor of Revealing Truth Ministries, Wesley Chapel. You know, God is always speaking good things to us and he has a word for you today, we are sure of it. Take some time out to listen and we'll be back as soon as we're done. God bless you. Family, let's pray. God, I thank you for each and every person here. We never take it for granted this opportunity that we have to come and minister together. I pray that you give me your inner wisdom to speak life into each and every person, that everybody under the sound of my voice will get something out of the message today they can use. God, they will be able to use it and make their lives better. Not years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now. They will be able to use this message and make their lives better immediately. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Lift up your Bibles for me and say this confession. Say, this is my Bible. I can be what it says I can be. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. Every verse is God-breathed, and I aim to live by every word. It is essential to my faith foundation and works to change me from the inside out into the person God has created me to be. That is why I shall never let it go. It is reliable. It is the truth. It is divine. It is the word of God and shall forever be to me my Bible. In Jesus' name, amen. Family, a quick little bit of information. You know, I told you I had got my eyes examined and I finally got my new glasses. And thank you, thank you, thank you. And you know, they made, they made very, they said a minute change in the prescription, but I changed the frames. The lenses are, are, are bigger than my other ones and they're progressives. So my mind and still getting used to how to move my head and knee, cause sometimes you look blurry and now you look crystal clear. And so if, if I stumble off the stage, help your pastor, because I'm probably thinking the thing is right here and it's actually way back there. So if you see me kind of being a little ginger today, I, I, I don't want to have no break, broken arm or nothing trying to teach the word. Okay. <laughs> Stay up on the stage. <laughs> hey, that's like my, Greta would tell me, you need to keep your behind in place then. <laughs> All right, in, in case you don't know, in case we have somebody who's just joining us, we're talking about contending for the faith. So the series is entitled, Appropriately Contend. Our key scripture is out of Jude, chapter one. There's only one chapter in Jude, verse three. Starting here in the King James, and I'm gonna read it out of the easy to read. It says, beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and to exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. To get some context on what contentment means, we read out of the easy to read and it says this, dear friends, I wanted very much to write to you about the salvation we all share together. But I felt the need to write to you about something else. I want to encourage you to fight hard for the faith. So contend and fight hard there. We pair those together that God gave his holy people. God gave this faith once and is good for all time. 
Of course, to contend for the faith, what that scripture is telling you to do, you must first, we must first be contenders. The uncertain part about contenders, though, is that not all contenders have the same internal drive. You can't assume that they're all approaching that thing the same way. Specifically, not all contenders face an opponent or face an issue with a victory mindset. Thus, we said there are two types of contenders. Here's the image. You've seen it before. We said there are contenders who expect to win. And then there are contenders who expect to lose. In the category of contenders who expect to lose, we also threw in their people who just flat out doubt victory. You don't have to flat out expect to lose to be a contender who expects to lose. You can just doubt you will win. Think things are impossible to get through, you understand. When you think about this, or once we get some enlightenment about, hey, guess what? There are contenders who expect to lose. All of a sudden, we get another revelation, and that revelation is this. Contending for something is not just about capability. Now, for us, that something is faith. So contending for the faith is not just about capability. In order to contend, you have to believe that you can engage in the fight and win. What am I saying? That means that even as a born-again believer, with God on the inside of you, with God on your side, you being on team God, if, if when you look in the mirror, if what you see, if the label that comes back to you and hits your spirit is incompetent, incapable, unqualified, weak, or any other label that kind of is a self-defeatist label that conflicts with who you are in Christ, then you know what you're doing, then you are undermining your own success. And in undermining your own success, all indicators point to that more than likely you are a contender who, guess what, <laughs> expects to lose. And we've spent some time already talking about those kind of rascals, the ones that expect to lose. This time, we're going to make a shift. We want to talk about contenders who expect to win. Or as you may hear me call them from time to time, real contenders. Say real contenders. Real. That's right. Contenders who, who expect to win. We're not ready for that right now, but I appreciate you being ready on the spot with that image. But we're going to come back to that image. Thank you very much. Here, guess what? The contenders who expect to win are all throughout the Bible. They're all throughout the Bible, and we're just going to pick out a few. Let's start with Joshua. Because Joshua's life contains elements that gives us some good indicators, or we could call them traits, of a contender who expects to win. It also is a good transition point because, as we're going to see in a min minute, Joshua went through a point of where, guess what? He was starting to think like he's going to lose. If we were to look in Joshua and we were to start 
in chapter 6. I'm going to summarize it this way. In Joshua, chapter, in Joshua chapter 6, here's what happens. It's the famous account of the walls of Jericho. You guys know the, the account. Basically what God says is he sends the people around. He gives them, he gives them a, a miraculous victory and a very, very unusual military tactic. God tells them, okay, through Joshua, of course, he says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go up to this city called Jericho. It's walled all up. And I want you to walk around that thing in a certain sequence for seven days. I don't want you to say nothing. The only thing I want to, to hear is the sound of the trumpets that are being blown by the priests. After seven days now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to give a loud shout. And when you give that loud shout, guess what? The walls of Jericho are going to come falling down. He didn't say that part. He just said, I'll give you the victory. But that's what happened. The walls of Jericho came falling down, and they went in and they seized the city. They seized the city, and guess what? That was a miraculous victory. The outcome, though, was very different on the very next battle with a much smaller city called Ai. During the battle, that initial battle of Ai, what happened was somebody on Team God, they did something that God didn't want them to do. They, they, they disobeyed God. And when they disobeyed God, God was no longer fighting for them. And they lost. When they lost, here comes Joshua. Crying before God. About the loss. Notice. Voice Bible, Joshua chapter 7, verses 10 through 11. Because you're getting ready to see how unsympathetic God is to his cry. Joshua's crying on the ground. The eternal one says, get up. What are you doing in the dirt? There is a simple explanation Israel has sinned. They have lied and have violated the covenant I gave them by stealing some of the property that should have been destroyed along with the rest of Jericho and by hiding it among their own things. God directs Joshua to get up and stop falling apart. Now, he goes on to say there is a simple explanation. He's going to tell him that explanation. But before God tells him that explanation, he needs that boy to get up and stop wallowing in his defeat. That brings up the very first indicator or trait of a contender who expects to win. Notice. A contender who expects to win, they do not wallow in defeat. Real contenders respond to the voice of God and they wipe their eyes and they stand back on their feet. God was so un unsympathetic, to, unsympathetic to this boy. Get up. Now, you got to understand, Joshua's spirit, when he was laying there before God, was broken. All indications, as far as he was concerned, going into battle was that he was going to win. Losing was the farthest thing from his mind. But you know the good part about 
my man Joshua is? Joshua wiped his eyes. He got up on his feet. He went in search for why he lost, and he eliminated the issue. That is another good trait of a real contender. Notice, a real contender, they go and search for the reason why they lost, and they eliminate it. Look, upon experiencing a defeat, they diligently seek out and correct the reasons for their loss. They may lose a battle, but they refuse to allow losing to be their norm. A contender who expects to win. Oh, I may, I may trip and fall, but I'd be doggone if losing is going to be my normal. Now, subsequently, after that defeat is corrected, what does God do? He sends them right back to Ai. Sends them back for the quote unquote rematch. I want you to look at Joshua chapter 8, verse 1 in the Message Bible, because I want you to notice not just God's words, but listen to the tone of the instructions. Here we go. God said to Joshua, Don't be timid. And don't so much as hesitate. Take all your soldiers with you and go back to Ai. Let's stop right there real quick. Take a look at that. God tells that boy, don't be timid and don't you so much as hesitate. He's trying to get him to go into this battle without holding on to the defeat of the last battle. Listen, loved ones. We get stuck there sometimes. Think about it. There are times where a previous defeat stands in your way. Yeah. You know, you know how it works out. You tried to start your own business that one time and you failed. Or you tried to pass that state exam before and you failed. You tried to be that better husband, but you failed. You tried to be the better wife. Yeah, you failed. I'm going to be a better parent. Doggone it. Failed. I'm going to spend more time with God. That was your profession. Guess what? Failed. Sadly, there are times in our life that when such events happen where we experience that thing that doesn't work out the way we think it's going to work out, what we end up doing is we say to ourselves, you know what? I'm going to stay hesitant and I'm going to be timid about ever trying that thing again. You quietly label yourself a failure in that area. 
believer, just because you lose a battle, just because you stumble in life, because something happens that you don't expect to happen, that is no reason to allow that undesired event to be the reason to cause you to lose confidence in who or whose you are. That is no excuse to allow that event to cause you to forget who you're working with. That is no reason to allow that event to cause you to forget who is with you and in you. Just because you experienced that, I want you to look at the person sitting next to you and I want you to look them in the eye real good because I want you to tell them something and I want you to tell them like you mean it. Tell them, tell them like my children tell me, tell them so the people in the back can hear you. But it's a sincere statement. It's very sincere. Look them in the eye and say this. Say, believer. Just because, just because you fail at something, you fail at something. It, doesn't it doesn't mean you're a failure. You're a failure. That is a trait of a real contender. Notice. When we're talking about a trait of a real contender, watch this image. Because just because something doesn't work out the way you expect it to, it doesn't mean that you should label yourself as a failure. Give it a second. Because I want you to see it. And my mama say people in hell want ice water, though. <laughs> All right, here we go. See that slip? Go to the next one. Say this with me. Just that top part in parentheses. And I want you to start with I am. You see where I'm at? Okay, on three. One, two, three. I am not a failure. You're not a failure. Sometimes when you look at the things in life that hurt you deep and you look at them properly, you will find out that those things, those mishaps, those quote unquote failures has, have caused you to turn that failure as the mirror that you define yourself by but you're not a failure. How can you be a failure with the greater one living on the inside of you? How can you be a failure and call yourself a son or daughter of the almighty God? You can't be. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You're not a failure. Everybody, everybody falls. But not everybody gets up. A trait of a real contender is that they don't let failure be the definition they define themselves by. Let's go back to that Joshua. 
In this time, let's go ahead and read Message Bible, Joshua 8, verses 1 through 3. God said to Joshua, don't be timid and don't so much as, as hesitate. Take all your soldiers with you and go back to Ai. I have turned the king of Ai over to you, his people, his city, and his land. Do to Ai and its king what you did to Jericho and its king. Check that out. He don't just send him back. He say, I want you to do to that king what you did to Jericho and that king. God is telling him that when you go into the next battle, I want you to go into your next battle with your previous victory in mind. We're talking about real contenders. There is something about a contender that experiences a victory through God. When you have a, a man who has experienced a victory through God, that's a bad boy right there in a good way. When you have a woman who has experienced a victory through God, oh, that's a bad girl right there in a good way. Notice this image. Because a contender who has experienced victory with God, they use that victory as a springboard. Amen. For a contender who experiences a win, who expects to win, their previous victory becomes the springboard of confidence for the next battle. Once they have observed God do it one time, Nothing and nobody can convince them that their God can't do it again. Then we have Joshua sometime later in another battle. He's in a battle that guess what? This boy is running out of the daylight needed to get victory. What does he do? This man tells the sun, the sun to stand still. Look at this. Joshua chapter 10, easy to read version. Verse 12. On that day, the Lord gave Israel the victory, victory against the Amorites. Joshua stood before all the Israelites and said to the Lord, sun, stop over Gibeon. Moon, stand still over the valley of Agilon. Joshua was running out of time to get the victory that he wanted, and he refused to let anything stand in his way. This has two traits of a contender. Because this boy was not going to stop, this man was not going to stop until victory was won. In that one account, look at these two traits of a real contender. The first trait I want to draw your attention to is that there is no quit in a real contender. Say this with me. There is no quit in me. Another trait is this. A real contender will command the seemingly impossible and guess what? And see it come to pass. A real contender is confident in the God they're working with. A real contender 
know that they have the ability to stand up in the authority God has given them to complete God's plan and say, mountain, move and walk away because they already got it settled that that mountain's going to move. That's a contender who expects to win. Quickly, let's look at our next contender. A little young queen named Esther. You know, Esther, she's the queen. And this guy named Haman comes up with a plan to kill the Jews. Esther has an uncle, uncle's name Mordecai. Mordecai learns of the plan and he comes to Esther for help. Now, he comes to Esther for help because he's Esther's uncle. So Esther's a Jew and she's the queen. Who else would you, she should have some influence over the whole thing, right? It's, I think Mordecai's pretty smart. It's like you being friends with the president and somebody's bothering you. Hey, whoever it is, Biden, Obama, Donald. <laughs> you know, whoever it is, depending on, depending on what, what year you living in, Abe, you know, I don't know when you, when you living. But it makes sense. He would go to his niece. She's the queen. This guy is planning to kill our people. He goes to her for help. And guess what? This, this, this girl understands the situation, but she's also a little hesitant. She's hesitant. Why? Because she knows the law says if anybody comes to the king uninvited, they're subject to be killed. So she conveys that back to her uncle. Now, you know about this law. I want you to check out what Mordecai gives her in, in his reply, because in his reply is embedded some really good traits of a contender who expects to win. Check this out. We're going to be in the easy to read version. Esther chapter four, verses 12 through 13. Then Esther's message was given to Mordecai. When he got her message, Mordecai sent his answer back. Esther, don't think that just because you live in the king's palace, you will be the only Jew to escape. If you keep quiet now, help and freedom for the Jews will come from another place. But you and your father's family will die, will all die. And who knows? Maybe you have been chosen to be queen for such a time as this. I want you to notice that part. Not the part where it says God will bring freedom from another place. But the part that says, who knows? Maybe you have been chosen to be queen for such a time as this. A real contender does not run away from the season. Family, a real contender does not use the phrase, this is not my season, as an excuse. 
a real contender realizes, and I want you to say this with me, say nothing, oh, excuse me, say nothing, nothing. <laughs> is, is a surprise, a surprise. To, God. to God. A real contender does not hide behind the excuse, this is, this is not my season. They realize that nothing is a surprise to God. So if God made me, and he put me here in this time, in this season, in front of this situation. You know what? I must be built for this. Notice. A real contender. A real contender embraces the season they are in as a season to do instead of an excuse not to do. That's a real contender. But notice something else. Look at verses 15 and 16, same chapter, Esther chapter 4, easy to read version. Because Mordecai's words stick to Esther. It's, it rings true in her head. Something clicks. It says, then Esther sent this answer to Mordecai. Mordecai, go and get all the Jews in Susa together and fast for me. Don't eat or drink for three days and nights. I and my women servants will fast too. After we fast, I will go to the king. I know it's against the law to go to the king if he didn't call me, but I will do it anyway. If I die, I die. I want to bring your attention to two traits. Go back to the beginning of 15. Notice she asked for people to fast for her. Now that's fast and pray. If you look at some translations, it'll specify and, and intercede for me as well. There are two traits embedded in this verse, these verses as it relates to Esther that I want us to point out. Notice this image. The first one is a real contender knows and is comfortable with calling on prayer warrior support when needed. A real contender does not sit in their room and just say, I'm going to take on this battle by myself. A real contender does not have the pride that keeps them from saying, sister, will you pray for me? Brother, will you pray for me? A real contender knows that the power coming out of the mouth of believer of a believer is powerful to tear down any demonic force, any opposing force. The prayer of the righteous availeth much. It's dunamis in what it can do. It's dynamite in its effect. A real contender will say, let's pray together. They don't just sit in church and say, if two or more gather in the name of God and don't believe it. They say, oh, you know what? 
you going to come at me? I got something for you. Hey, you, come with me. Hey, hey, you, prayer warrior, you come with me. Hey, you, you, come with me. I'm not going to just be praying in my house. There are going to be 20 houses in this city praying for me. People across the country going to pray for me. You want to start mess with me? I'll call out a prayer report on you, and we'll jump on your head like you ain't never seen nothing before. A true contender, a real contender. They know when to call on that prayer warrior support. Go back to my verses 15 and 16. And then we'll come back to this image, this slide again. Here we go. I know the king didn't call for me. I know, I know who this man is. I'm, I'm, I'm married to him. I know the law. My, my, my king is the one. My, my, my man's is the one that approved it. But I'm going to do it anyway. A real contender, they don't care what people say. They don't care what man going to do. She says, if I die, I die. Go back to that slide. Because a real contender that's firmly planted in God, refuses to let fear halt their progress. No person, no thing, not even death. They let nothing stand in their way from what God called them to do. When it comes to people in particular, because sometimes there are times when we don't do what God told us to do because of fear of what they going to say. And you know my problem, my problem is with they. A lot of times, they ain't doing nothing themselves. Next time you confront it with they, ask they to tell you what they doing first. Here's what I think you should do. They ain't doing jack. Here's what I think you should say. They ain't saying jack. You know what the easiest thing for you is, is talking just to give you a quick Smith story. Me and my wife have, have, have settled. You know what the easiest thing is for some people to do that kind of frequent our circles, the easiest thing for them to do is waste our money. It's not that they don't have money. When they have money and it's dealing with their coin, oh, they scrutinize things. They want to they know all the details. But when it's my president's on the line, all the scrutiny kind of goes out the window. You know, I learned, I, I learned that a little bit as a parent growing up. You know, when my children started getting older, and when they were younger, we would give them money, teach them money management, and we would give them so much, and if you wanted to go out to eat with your money, that's fine. If you wanted to go get drive through, get a sandwich, whatever. But you, you had to do it. And so then you noticed that when they started paying, they wouldn't get the extra. Well, 
now that they're bigger and they come to eat with us, right? Especially my daughter, God bless her. We, we go out to eat. And when we go out to eat, she actually did this one time. Looking at the menu, the person comes to take the order. She motions like she's going to order, and then she pauses and looks at daddy and say, y'all paying? <laughs> and I said, yes, sweetheart. I said, yes, sweetheart, daddy's paying. And then she says, oh, and turn to another page. And proceeded to get appetizer and the meal. And, well, just to, just to bring it back, when you worried about what they say, they always have a stake in what you are doing when they aren't even helping you do what they're asking you to do. I'm not wishing anything bad on they. I'm not, I'm not wishing that they aren't successful in whatever, if ever, they're doing anything. What I am saying is they need to get themselves some business and stay out of mind. So the next time somebody come, somebody come to you with some stuff, look at them and tell them, careful. Don't be a they. But for a contender who expect to win, they don't let anything stand in their way, especially, especially not, not, not they. As it relates to people, when Jesus called his 12 disciples or apostles, listen to what he said. Look at Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. Jesus said, don't be afraid of people. They can kill the body, but they cannot kill the soul. The only one you should fear is God, the one who can send the body and the soul to be destroyed in hell. A contender's not walking around fearing what they say. A contender's not walking around fearing what, what, what situations might come out to be. They're not even fearing death. A true contender, a real contender, knows that if fear has to come up any kind of way, the only person worthy of any kind of fear is God. And God hasn't given them the spirit of fear. God, God, is, God is not, what sense does it make for a father to want you to look at him as a loving father, but then instill fear in you? When we talk about fearing God as people, as believers, it's reverent fear. Knowing that who he is, he's God. But it's always with the mindset that our father loves us. It's love that connects us to God, not fear. Now, three days later, our girl Esther goes into the king and she spoils the plan. She lives. And the person who had set up the plan to kill the Jews end up getting, well, <laughs> killed himself. So there we have it. We have Joshua and we have Esther. 
two contenders that give us some indication of what it means to be a real contender. And they're not the only ones, though. There are more, and we're going to talk about them. For now, though, not surprisingly, I'm going to end like I ended the last one. You know your question you're supposed to be pondering, right? What kind of contender are you? Are you a contender who expects to win or are you a contender who expects to lose? I'm, I'm really hoping and, and praying that all of this discussion that we're having is giving you enough information to find out for yourself where you stand. We have talked about those contenders who expect to lose and we're in who expect to lose. And we are in the middle of talking about the traits of contenders who expect to win. Of course, we want your answer to be, hey, I'm a contender who expects to win. And as we get this information, my prayer is that God is stirring around in you whatever it is needs to be stirred, out, stirred around in you so that if you are the second kind, if you are a contender who expect to lose, if, if that's you today, that won't be you tomorrow. Amen. That's it for now, though. I'll chat with you soon. Let's pray. God, I thank you for allowing us to, first of all, see another day. I thank you for allowing us to be able to come and minister together. So many things happen in our lives, and sometimes they happen quickly. You understand that sometimes we can lose our balance and even sometimes lose our way. That doesn't surprise you. You do expect us, though, to turn back to you for stabilization, to turn back to you for support. Always keep you as our, as our North Star, as our compass point. As we do that, you give us confidence. You heal us. You straighten us back up. You put us back on our feet. You have made us in your image and in your likeness. And you have placed on the inside of us your spirit. That means we are very capable of being real contenders. Work on our belief system. Work on us, God, so that when you ask us to do something, we are quick to do it. We won't be timid and we won't hesitate. We will all be real contenders for real. It's in Jesus name that we pray. Amen. Well, that's what God had to say to us today. We pray that it blessed you. As always, we pray that the word of God blesses you not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but we pray that you got something out of the message today that would change your life immediately. God bless you and look forward to chatting with you next time.